All right, everyone, we're going live. Let's see how this goes. First mover, week three. I'm Josh Larkey, the director of analytics at Roto Underworld and Player Profiler. You can find me on Twitter at jlarkeytweets, J-L-A-R-K-Y tweets. We've got quite the show today. It's going to be quick. We're going to try and knock this one out in about 30 minutes. There's a lot to cover. Let's get into it. And I'm going to begin with a tweet from Adam Levitan from Establish the Run. Very good DFS player. And he and I have something in common. We were both we were both buried by Derrick Henry in week two. He tweeted that it was his worst week in DFS in years. Well, it was not quite my worst week. This was not a good week for us. The The line of genius was, was firing on all cylinders. It was spitting out all the right plays. Unfortunately, we just didn't quite have all the right players in the same lineup together. We had Cup, we had Sutton, we had Lockett. We even had some Derrick Henry on FanDuel. We did not have all these players together. And it was kind of a thin slate when you actually looked at how the scoring shook out. So when you have very few players with high-end scoring, it becomes imperative that you have all of them in a lineup together. We didn't have that this week. It's unfortunate. Dallas Chargers didn't shoot out like we were hoping for. We were on Arizona, Minnesota. We were on Seattle against the Titans. We were on Bucks Falcons. We knew the games that were likely to do well. We just didn't quite have the exact pieces in the exact lineup. What are you going to do? Process over results week to week. We're going to have a short-term memory. We're going to be back even stronger this week. Now, to review... So yes, DraftKings was not great. We had some lineups hit the pay line, but nothing spectacular. We did have one pretty killer FanDuel lineup. It scored 183.7 points on FanDuel. And that actually outscored all of our DraftKings lineups even. Pretty crazy. And that lineup, of course, yeah, it had Derrick Henry. However, we had Kyler Murray, we had Najee Harris, who brought in, I think it was 19 fantasy points of his own. We had Thielen, we had Hopkins, we had Rondale Morse. We had a lot of players from that very high-scoring Minnesota-Arizona game. We had Kyle Pitts, who had a fine day. We had the Bills defense and special teams who put up 22 points against the Dolphins. Two left early that game. But alas, hmm, we had DK Metcalf in the flex instead of Tyler Lockett. And if we had Tyler Lockett thrown in there instead of Metcalf, this could have been a whole different ball game. And rather than that lineup winning a few hundred dollars, it could have won tens of thousands of dollars. Mm. On to week three. This is... This is just what happens when Derrick Henry has the 50-point week, even though they are down early and often against the Seahawks. I believe they were down by two scores for most of that game. Not really the game script you expect Derrick Henry to explode in and get you 50 points, but apparently that's what he did. They continue to feed Derrick Henry. I think he was at five, six, seven fantasy points in the first half. Then he puts up over 40 in the second half. You just tip your cap. And again, we're moving on to week three. Now, there was a really interesting trend that... I noticed last year, and it's continuing into this season. And that trend is week to week, wide receivers are scoring more than running backs. Yes, running back may be the more consistent fantasy producing position and that in your normal redraft league, it is great to have some strong running backs. But in DFS, we are seeing a trend where you should not be flexing a running back when you're playing in tournaments. You should pretty much always be flexing a wide receiver. You might say, Josh, what, what, why is that? Or give me, give me a little bit of data to back that up. You can't just convince me by saying it. Good. I'm glad you're not convinced. Let's review week one, 30 or more fantasy points, PPR scoring. 
There were four wide receivers to get it done in week one. No running back hit 30 fantasy points. Week two, two receivers, 30 or more fantasy points. Only one running back. It was Derrick Henry. Now let's lower that to 20 or more fantasy points. Because if you think about it, you're not you're not really going to hit the absolute nuts where you get all the 30-point players. In DFS, we're just trying to get 20 or more points from our positions. So let's lower that threshold down to 20. Week one, 20 or more fantasy points in PPR. There were 16 wide receivers that did it. 16 to have 20 or more fantasy points in week one. There were only seven running backs. You know what? We're going to just let the stream happen for a second. I don't know if you hear that in the background. I can hear that. Hopefully you don't hear that too loudly, but I live across the street from a fire station and it looks like they're saving the day right now. So we're just going to let the heroes be heroes. All right. Anyway, back to week one. So 20 or more fantasy points, 16 wide receivers hit that threshold or exceeded it. Only seven running backs. 16 receivers, seven running backs in week one with 20 or more fantasy points. So over two times as many receivers. We move to week two, 20 or more fantasy points, 15 wide receivers. And again, we are recording Monday, late afternoon. Monday Night Football hasn't happened yet. Of course, things could change. We don't really know what's going to happen. I hope DeAndre Swift pours in another 20 or more fantasy points. But anyway, week two so far, 20 or more fantasy points, 15 wide receivers, and only five running backs. 15 to 5, that is 3x as many wide receivers as running backs in week two with 20 plus fantasy points, and it was over 2x in week one. This trend looks like it has some wheels to it. Let's move on to the week three slate now. Looking at quarterbacks on DraftKings. Let's see, we've got Kyler at the top. He's 8,300 facing Jacksonville. And I think he's pretty much every week viable at this point after his back-to-back performances of around 35 or more fantasy points. A guy that I am interested in, as I was the first two weeks, probably will be pretty much every week. That's Russell Wilson. Let's see, Russ is 7,600 against Minnesota. And the Vikings, as you probably noticed if you watched the games yesterday, they were a very worthy shootout opponent against Arizona. And I expect that they'll be able to keep pace enough against Russ to make this game interesting. All the Seahawks are in play. All right, we moving down a little bit. We got Tom Brady at 6,800 against the Rams. And then Stafford at 6,400 against Tampa Bay. This is a very high game total. Both of these quarterbacks are viable. But my personal favorite, and not because I am a former San Diego Chargers homer turned depressed Los Angeles Chargers. Is this even my team anymore fan? But Justin Herbert, for some reason, nothing his rookie year matters at all. Week one doesn't matter. All that matters is that he stunk in week two and he's priced down at 6,500 when the Chargers are facing Kansas City and Mahomes is priced at 8,200. 6,500 for Herbert. Unless you think the Chargers are going to run the ball down Kansas City's throat. Or unless you think Kansas City's winning by two, three, four touchdowns. Unless one of those two situations occur, which are unlikely, then Herbert looks like the perfect quarterback to target after a poor performance against Dallas yesterday. And I'll remind you, as I will every week, quarterbacks that face a really strong offense and really strong quarterback on the other end generally will outperform their projections and that their ceiling outcomes are often higher as well. So Justin Herbert playing an elite offense like Kansas City and playing against an elite quarterback like Mahomes naturally will raise both the floor and ceiling of Justin Herbert based on a lot of summer research that we have done. Moving on, let's talk about a couple budget quarterbacks. 
Trevor Lawrence, he's down at 5,500 against Arizona. He's very interesting. I'm going to just go ahead and take the L. It's not even, we're not even really in week three yet. I'm taking the L on Urban Meyer all summer. Not that I thought he was an incredible coach, but he was, he'd been a very good coach in college. And I thought, you know what? No, I don't think he's saying intelligent things all summer, but I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because an NFL team hired him. He did well in college. Maybe he will do well in the NFL. And after two weeks, he looks, I mean, quite frankly, he looks like a total idiot, total donkey. So even still though, Trevor Lawrence has been fantasy viable in week one. He had over 25 fantasy points on DraftKings and he's facing Arizona and they're going to have to at least attempt to keep up. We already saw him hit nearly 60 pass attempts in that week one loss to the Texans. We could very well be in for 50 to 60 pass attempts again, trying to keep pace with the Cardinals. Again, he's only 5,500. And then one more budget quarterback. This one, oh, this one gets me really excited. I know that he didn't tear the ACL. Still kind of waiting to see exactly what's going on with Andy Dalton. But let's just assume in this moment for, let's give ourselves 30 seconds of happiness. We'll assume Andy Dalton is ruled out for week three because then, oh boy, you have budget Konami quarterback Justin Fields and he's only 5,200 on DraftKings. Let that sink in. Moving on to FanDuel, we've got Kyler Murray at the top. He's 9,000 really priced up there against Jacksonville. And then once again, the quarterback I like, Justin Herbert, he's 7,500 on this platform. To give you more context for FanDuel, Herbert is priced below both Kirk Cousins and Matthew Stafford. And he's priced just above Daniel Jones. You should be playing some Justin Herbert this week confidently. I know I will. Let's move on now to running back. We've got... Derrick Henry, he's at the top on DraftKings. He's 8,600. They priced him back up. Coming off that 50-point performance against the Seahawks. Another interesting Derrick Henry note, actually. I mean, obviously, I was a little surprised he scored 50 points, but we've seen him do that type of thing before. But more important for him and his rest-of-season outlook, he had a career-high six targets for a career-high six catches in that game, which was very interesting because week one, pretty much all the passing work was deferred to Jeremy McNichols. But week two, Derrick Henry was... Often on the field, catching passes, six targets, six catches in week two. Is that a blip on the radar? Is that the start of an enhanced role? We'll, we'll, we'll stay tuned. But if that is the case, then Derrick Henry's upside greatly improves if he's not going to be coming off the field on third downs. And there we go. The stream getting interrupted again. If you can hear that siren, I know I can. Like I said, I live right next to a fire station. Apparently, uh, 3, 3.30 p.m. Pacific time. In California, that is the time that the fires are happening right now. It's very warm and dry here. All right, that's mostly gone. Now, if we assume that Dalvin Cook's ankle sprain from yesterday, which he did continue to play on after going into the injury tent, if we assume that's not serious and that he kept playing because it wasn't serious, he's a solid play. He's 8,400. Facing a Seattle defense that just leaked out uh, 50 points, Derrick Henry torched them. So Cook's interesting at the top. Uh, moving down a little bit, we have Najee Harris. He's still fairly inexpensive. He's 6,600. That's a good price for probably the most legit bell cow in the league who's not named CMC or Dalvin Cook. And he faces Cincinnati, so pretty good matchup for him. Another one kind of in that uh, mid-tier pricing, Jonathan Taylor, 6,700 against Tennessee. And while he hasn't scored a single touchdown this season, he is leading the NFL in goal line carries. The touchdowns will follow. You can go right back to Jonathan Taylor. Though, 
Wentz being able to play in that game, it's still up in the air. So I'm a little hesitant to just fully push the button on him already, but if Wentz is there, you need to fully push the button. If Wentz is out of that game, temper your expectations. I'll probably still have some Jonathan Taylor exposure no matter what. However, without Wentz, it is... It's not not a great look for Taylor, so we'll see what happens there. Apparently, Wentz has sprained both ankles, so the the rare and dreaded double ankle sprain. Now, this next one, I assumed we would see Saquon Barkley priced at only sixty five hundred dollars against Atlanta when he was twenty eight or twenty nine years old at the end of his career, but apparently that is how we are now treating the twenty four year old Saquon Barkley, possibly the greatest running back prospect of all time. His first two matchups, they were difficult. He faced Denver in week one. They were an incredible defense. And then he went to Washington. He played Washington on only four days rest. But now, oh, he has not four, but we're looking at 10 days rest against Atlanta. And I'm excited to be above the field in week three with Saquon Barkley, who had more touches and played more snaps in week two than in week one, despite only having four days rest. Another less expensive option that it's on on my radar, Sony Michelle, he's 4,900. He could be thrust into lead back duties for the Rams if Darrell Henderson can't go this week. He is facing the Buccaneers, which is a tall task, but he's at least interesting based on a projected workload at 4,900 if Darrell Henderson can't play. The other budget running back that we are going back to, let's see, I believe he's 5,000? Yeah, only 5,000 still on DraftKings. Leonard Fournette who's had 11 fantasy points in both games this year, despite not finding the end zone. He's the lead back. He's the goal line back. He even gets the targets. And if you're getting 11 fantasy points a week without a touchdown yet, that's a really solid floor based on usage. And we know it's an elite offense. Touchdowns will come. Stay patient with Fournette and keep pulling the button on him, pushing the button on him. And then you think I forgot about him? Hmm? With redraft and dynasty, we don't hate players. We hate the ADPs. And with DFS, we don't hate players, we hate weekly salaries. And Clyde Edwards-Alaire, after a game-losing fumble last night, he is only 4,800 on DraftKings. He's wedged in between, just just you wait, in your head, I'm going to pause. Think of who you believe he will be above and below Clyde Edwards-Alaire this week. Do you have a couple names in mind? He is wedged just below Jeremy McNichols. And he's just above Ronald Jones. I did not think week three would come around, that there would be no major injuries, and that Clyde Edwards-Alaire would somehow be between McNichols and Ronald Jones. You hate to see it. Or at least with us DFS players, you love to see it. I'm not scared of Clyde Edwards-Alaire this week. And then, oh, you think I forgot about the other guy, huh? No, 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 no. DeAndre Swift. Yes, he is yet to play. He will play in... About two hours from when I'm recording this on Monday Night Football against the Packers. But assuming no weird injury or strange usage happens to him tonight, he will be only 5,800 against Baltimore. 5,800 for what looks like the second coming of Alvin Kamara. And I fully expect him to completely blow up my upside projections compared to his salary for week three. And you know my fandom. I will be watching Monday Night Football like a hawk, binoculars on, to see how DeAndre Swift performs. But I'm going to assume it'll be all systems go with Swift for week three DFS. Now with FanDuel for running backs, we've got Derrick Henry, 9,700. He's at the top. And then my favorite steal of the week regarding salary with FanDuel at running back is Saquon, who 
I know Clyde Edwards-Alaire was hilarious. Saquon is also hilarious. Saquon on FanDuel is priced $6,000. So he's like $500 cheaper on FanDuel even than DraftKings. And he was already a steal on DraftKings. $500 cheaper on FanDuel. It's half PPR. So maybe that doesn't help Saquon. Though it's not like he's caught so many passes this year. But you have $60,000 in your budget on FanDuel. $50,000 in your budget on DraftKings. Saquon will really help you unlock a lot of those super high-end receivers that I know you and I will both be trying to get to with our lineups. 6000 he's priced below Melvin Gordon, who's in a pretty much 50-50 timeshare with Javante Williams and is significantly less athletic and much older, past the AJ Packs. Melvin Gordon above Saquon, and then Cordero Patterson just below Saquon. You read that right? You heard that right? Cordero Patterson just below Saquon, and he actually has dual eligibility this week. You don't see that very often. Cordell Patterson on FanDuel can be a running back or a tight end. Not that I'm going to really play him on either, but I chuckled when I saw it. Let's move on to receiver now. We've got Tyreek Hill up at the top on DraftKings at 8,400. Just below him, we move down a few receivers. We've got Lockett and Metcalf. If you haven't been listening to me, well, now, now you are. And if you have been listening to me, you, I don't need to tell you. Lockett and Metcalf, Lockett and Metcalf are must-plays every single week. They're 7,400 and 7,300. Lock it $100 more than Metcalf on DraftKings this week. Another good one is Ridley at 7000 I know my week two hot take was that Ridley would be the highest scoring receiver of anyone on the slate. He let me down. However, there were a lot of promising signs. He had the bounce back I expected. Ridley did have 10 targets in week two. He turned that into seven catches, 63 yards, and a touchdown. He still finished with 19 fantasy points. That's not bad at all. 19 fantasy points, even though he did not play the final couple drives. Once the game got out of hand, the Falcons just rested their starters against the Bucks. So even without playing the full game, Ridley still had 19 fantasy points. He's down at 7,000. Go back to Ridley. An interesting one is with the Rams receivers, we have Co- Cooper Cooper Cup, $6,800. Robert Woods, way less expensive. He's 5,700. The targets actually looked fairly similar in week two. 11 for Cup, 9 for Woods. In a vacuum, do I prefer Cooper Cup? Absolutely. Do I think a lot of people are going to be playing Cooper Cup again, writing that he's had back-to-back phenomenal weeks, forgetting about Robert Woods? Yes, I do. And I will take that $1,100 discount on Robert Woods. They're playing the Buccaneers. We know that game is going to have a lot of points, so... I'm interested in both, but I think Woods is kind of the sneaky play this week where their salaries have separated enough, and yet I still think people will play a lot more Cooper Cup this week than Robert Woods. Another guy that I think could have a good bounce back, A.J. Brown, he's down at 6,500 against the Colts. Sutton is only 6,000 against the Jets. And Cortland Sutton is coming off not 100, not 150, not 200, over 250 week two air yards for Cortland Sutton. That is not a typo. Over 250 air yards. Unreal. He turned that into 12 targets, 9 receptions, 159 yards, which was 28 DraftKings fantasy points, even though he didn't score a touchdown. 28 with no TD. You love to see it. He has emerged once again as the alpha in that offense. We still don't have Jerry Judy. He's not going to be back for a few more weeks. Now is the time to play Sutton. The Bengals receivers were interesting to me. Chase and Higgins are 5,400 and 5,100 respectively. Still don't feel like their upside's fully priced in yet. Chenault, I know. What are you doing, Josh? You you keep touting Chenault. He keeps failing. LaVisca Chenault is only $4,400. They're playing the Cardinals. They're going to need some big plays. They're going to be passing a lot. 
Chenault has 17 targets, about a 20% target share through two weeks. And I know these are not deep targets. Yes, we would love the deep targets. However, the fact that he's getting this high of raw targets and this solid of a target share is very promising. He is a focal point of this offense. It looks like at least after two weeks, the Jacksonville offense is just going to be Lawrence and the three receivers. That ground game's kind of taken a backseat, both I think because of the talent of their running back room combined with how horrible and dreadful this team is and the defense is, and that when they're getting behind early, they're going to have to pass more. You're allowed to go back to Chenault at 4,400. His shoulder MRI that he had this morning came back very positive, and he's already expected to be available for Sunday. One more budget receiver, KJ Osborne. He's 3,500 on DraftKings. He had six targets, five receptions, 91 yards, and 64 of those yards came on a long touchdown pass, which is exciting. Do I think KJ Osborne is truly for real? No, not really. But for some reason, it doesn't seem like they're using the tight ends nearly as much as they have the past few years. Maybe it's because Irv Smith is out. They don't have Rudolph anymore. And that Conklin Herndon just isn't the A-team they're used to. So it looks like they're going to use a third receiver a lot more. And KJ Osborne, very interesting. 3,500. On FanDuel, we have Tyreek Hill at the top, 8,700. And then my favorite wide receiver on FanDuel for the price, Mike Williams is 6,000. Again, just being disrespected on FanDuel. He was 5,600 last week. His week one usage continued into week two. He's getting a lot of targets. He's getting the air yards. He's getting short targets as well. He's getting everything. He looks like a stud. The year five breakout for Mike Williams, it looks like it's happening. He's priced between Antonio Brown and Cordero Patterson. Wow, I'm going to be playing some Mike Williams against the Chiefs this week. Moving on to tight end. On DraftKings at the top, we have Kelsey, uh, 8,200. Waller, 7,400. So kind of the big two in play. Right below that, we have Gronk, 5,500. And Hawkinson at 5,200. And I really like Hawkinson. He's 5,200. He'd be facing Baltimore, who was just shredded by Kelsey on Sunday Night Football. I'm excited about Hawkinson. We'll see what he does in week two tonight. But 5,200, again, that just looks disrespectful for what should be the target leader on that Detroit Lions offense. A few other interesting guys of note. Pitts doesn't have the, the TD yet, but he had over 70 yards in week two. He's the real deal. He's 4,900. A couple cheaper options to consider Higby at 4,000 in that Rams-Buccaneers game that should have a lot of points. Jared Cook at 3,900, who had another high usage week in week two. He kind of nearly found the end zone except for some penalties. So things could have broken slightly differently and he could have had a monster day in week two, but instead he finds himself back at 3,900. And there is a chance that, I know, hold your nose, but Evan Ingram may be suiting up for week three and he's only 3,600 against Atlanta. I'm interested. Moving on to FanDuel. Uh, for tight end, we've got Kelsey at the top at 8,500. And then Jared Cook, again, I like on this platform as well. Jared Cook on FanDuel, 5,300, which is below both. I mean, this one's hard to believe. He's priced below Dawson Knox and Austin Hooper. Remember, he's facing the Chiefs. There's going to be some points scored in this game. It's a high game total. You think the Chargers are just going to roll over to their division opponent and accept defeat early? Let him outscore them by four touchdowns? I don't. I'm going to be playing some Jared Cook. On to the, the defense special teams. This one's not that sexy, but I'll give you a few names that I that caught my eye on DraftKings. So at the top, Denver. They're facing the Jets. Wilson, I don't know if you heard, he threw four picks pretty much immediately in that game in week two against the Patriots. Denver, another strong defense. They're at the top at 4,300. I like the Browns. They're facing the Bears. And it's either going to be hobbled Andy Dalton or Justin Fields' first NFL start. Either way, 
I'm excited about this. What looks on paper like a pretty talented Browns defense. They're 3,200. Some other ones I like. Cardinals facing Jacksonville. Cardinals are 3,000. They have some talent on defense. And Jacksonville has just looked like a dumpster fire. And then some budget ones that I'm intrigued by. One of them is Atlanta against the Giants. Atlanta Falcons, they're only 2,500. We know Daniel Jones is a very turnover-prone quarterback. He's been that throughout his short career so far. He has just been leading the league year after year in fumbles. So I'm always intrigued with whichever defense plays the Giants, especially when they're priced at 2,500, the Falcons. And then the super budget defense, who I would have priced a few hundred more, the Bengals. They're facing the Steelers. We've already started to see the incompetence of that offense developing, and the Bengals are only 2,100. All right, now we're going to turn to the actual game totals for each game. Then I will provide you with an early look at what a potential DraftKings lineup looks like that you can actually play targeting a game I like. And I will leave you then with my week three hot take of the week. All right, on to the games for week three. We have Cardinals at Jaguars. Cardinals are favored by seven points, 51 and a half game total. It's a pretty high game total, so... Again, probably going to have some Kyler Murray, probably going to have some Trevor Lawrence. I think this is kind of a a sneaky game to target where people might not be that excited about Jacksonville. But I think what you could do is if you're going to roll with Trevor Lawrence, you you throw two receivers in and you say, you know what, this week he'll hone in on DJ Shark and Marvin Jones or Marvin Jones and Chenault or Chenault and Shark. I think that's kind of the way to play it. And then you can just run it back with Hopkins, Rondale Moore, Kirk, Edmonds. There's a lot of great options that you can use there. Cardinals side, you can get pretty creative and just kind of do whatever you want with any of those four receivers with Kyler Murray. You can even mix and chase Edmonds. It's probably going to be another fantasy points bonanza, at least on the Cardinals end. Uh, This next game, Washington at the Bills. Bills currently favored by nine and a half. 47 total points projected in that one. I'm less interested in this one. The Bills offense hasn't quite looked right this year. I think this is a decent get right spot, but also I still just... The Bills defense has been pretty good this year. I don't really trust uh, Taylor Heineke to be able to keep a, to sustain a shootout, assuming that he's starting in this one. They already just completely annihilated the Dolphins and Tua. I'm a little hesitant to play too much of this game. Another game I'll be staying away from, Saints at Patriots. Patriots favored by two and a half. And the line, or the, the game total is 43. It's very low, Saints at Patriots. Moving on, this is my game of the week, appointment television for anyone that likes football chargers at the chiefs chiefs favored by six and a half 55 point game total of course that could change after monday night we'll see what happens but currently 55 points unbelievable love to see it this is a game i will heavily target you can roll with the mahomes side obviously you've got kelsey you got hill you could throw in a hardman or a robinson or a pringle to get unique if you think one of them is going to catch the touchdown Chargers side, there's just a plethora of options as well. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Jared Cook. You could even roll the dice on Jalen Guyton. You could even pair Herbert with Eckler if you think Eckler is going to catch a touchdown pass. And then, of course, we have Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I think he's a great run back option. Remember, he's only 4,800. So if you want to go with just like a full game onslaught, you could always have Herbert, Keenan Allen, Jared Cook, Tyreek Hill, Clyde Edwards-Alaire in your lineup and still have room for more. And I've got a dummy lineup for you coming up shortly that, spoiler alert, is going to feature that game just to give you an idea of how to fit that in. 
All right, moving on, we got the Falcons at the Giants. Not super interested in this one. Giants favored by three, 48 and a half point game total. We have Bears at Browns. Browns favored by seven and a half, 47 point game total. If Fields starts, I'll be interested in playing a little bit of Justin Fields just because all we saw in the preseason was a lot of rushing attempts and some highlight plays. It's going to make for Brown's defense as a good play with the rookie getting his first start if that happens. And then Fields, the Konami QB at 5,200. You could just stack him with Allen Robinson. You don't even have to do too much stacking when you play the mobile quarterback like Fields. It's the same reason with Jalen Hurts. You can throw in a Devonta Smith. You could throw in Dallas Goddard or Jalen Rager. You could leave them naked technically and just stack the rest of your lineup. These mobile quarterbacks don't need quite as many pieces surrounding them because they'll often get it done with their legs. And if Fields runs it in for a touchdown, that is one PPR point not happening on the touchdown reception. And then six points not happening for that touchdown reception as well for the receiver. So these mobile quarterbacks that run the ball in are directly taking points away from their receivers. So that's why if you have Fields, you could... I'd recommend a single stack. Fields Robinson, Fields Mooney, and then you can always run it back with Chubb. You could, Landry's now out. If Odell plays, you could run it back with Odell. We'll see. A few options there. Ravens at Lions. Kind of a gross game. Ravens favored by seven and a half on the road. Though, of course, that could change after Monday Night Football. We'll see what happens with that line. 48 and a half point game total. I'll probably have a few pieces of this game. I think Swift and Hawkinson are interesting, but aside from that, there's not too many other pieces of this game I'm interested in. Probably not going to stack Lamar or Goff very heavily. If I play a little Lamar, it might be naked or it might be just with Hollywood or single stacked with Andrews. Next game, we've got Bengals at Steelers. Steelers favored by four and a half. 45 point game total. Probably not going to have too much of this game. I think you could build a Burrow lineup just because of how inexpensive Higgins and Chase are and kind of center it around those core three. Run it back with Najee Harris. If you're not doing that, I'd suggest that you mostly avoid this game and just have the occasional piece in your lineup. Another game I'm mostly avoiding. We still don't even know if Tua's going to play. seems like he has severely bruised ribs. I, I read it was a pain management thing with him. So I guess we'll see if he plays. But Dolphins at Raiders. Raiders favored by four. 45 and a half point game total. This one looks like it could be a real slog, whether it's Tua or Jacoby Brissett back there. I'm not super interested. Next one, another game I'm I'm definitely less bullish on this game than Vegas is. Colts at Titans, Titans favored by five, 50 and a half point game total. I think that 50 and a half is going to be coming down. And by the time you listen to this, it might already have come down. Wentz has apparently sprained both ankles. And that doesn't that doesn't bode well for the shootout potential of this game if uh who's it Jacob Eason is playing in there so I'm not particularly interested AJ Brown price down I think he's kind of interesting for a bounce back he could just shred that Colts zone coverage which has been leaking fantasy points so far through two weeks next oh this one I forgot about this game I mean this is one of the lowest team totals you'll ever see. The Jets team total is laughably low. And this is what happens when the Jets are at the Broncos. It's a 42 and a half point game total. So already super low. And then on top of that, the Broncos are favored by 11. Probably a game I'm staying away from. Next up, we have not quite the game of the week that I've proclaimed Chargers at Chiefs, but very close. Bucks at Rams. Rams favored by one and a half. So it's pretty much a toss up 54 point game total. I will at the very least be stacking Brady, who's the road dog. That's exciting. You can stack Brady with two different pass catchers of your choice. 
I think you just kind of pick out of a hat, honestly, between Godwin, Evans, Antonio Brown, and Gronk, who you like this week. You can run it back with Cup. You can run it back with Woods. You can run it back with Higby. A lot of interesting options here. Then on the Rams side, you could go Stafford, Woods, Van Jefferson, Stafford, Cup, Van Jefferson, Stafford, Woods, Higby, Stafford, Cup, Higby. Run it back with one or two pieces from the Bucks. This is another game that you can just kind of onslaught and have five of your nine total positions in your lineup dedicated to that game. The quarterback with four skill players, two from each team. Another very exciting game, we have Seahawks at the Vikings. Seahawks currently favored by one and a half, 54 and a half point game total. So there's kind of this big three, Chargers at Chiefs, Bucks at Rams, Seahawks at Vikings. I'm going to play a lot of Russ again with Metcalf, with Lockett. Gerald Everett starting to get a little disappointing. He's probably not going to be in as many lineups of mine going forward. I expect his projection to start lowering until we see a little more out of him. But we at least have Lockett and Metcalf. Chris Carson looked pretty good. He got two touchdowns. And then on the Vikings side, what's nice is it's very consolidated and that the only pieces that we'd really consider with the Vikings would be, for the most part, Cousins if you want him, Thielen, Jefferson, and then KJ Osborne, who's been kind of that pleasant surprise. Again, one and a half point favorite Seahawks on the road, 54 and a half game total for Seahawks at Vikings. So that covers all of the games for this week. And if you want an early lineup on DraftKings, here you go. If you want to target that Chargers-Kansas City Chiefs game, as Matt says, say no to fantasy PTSD. We can go right back to the ultra-talented Justin Herbert. We could stack up. Oh, let's let's stack them up. Herbert, Keenan Allen, Jared Cook, run it back with Tyreek Hill and Clyde Edwards-Alaire, just like I hinted at about five minutes ago. Herbert. Keenan Allen, Jared Cook, Tyreek Hills, CEH, and you still have salary left over to throw DeAndre Swift in your RB2 slot. And you can add in Chris Godwin in your third receiver spot and Woods in the flex. Nice little little skinny correlation going on there. Bucks Rams, we've got Godwin Woods. And it's because Godwin's salary has dropped this week. Woods' salary, still only 5700 and then on defense, we can just take the, the punt defense that I don't think is too bad, which is the Bengals facing the Steelers. So again, this lineup looks sick right now. And it's Herbert, Swift, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire at running back, Keenan Allen, Tyreek Hill, Godwin at receiver, Jared Cook at tight end, Robert Woods in the flex, and the Bengals defense. And I'll get you out of here. After the Chargers defense allowed not one, but two top eight running back performances this past week to both Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. The Chargers defense, two top eight finishes to running back in week two. I expect Clyde Edwards-Alaire to bounce back for 20 fantasy points in a high-scoring Chargers-Chiefs rematch. Oh, baby, those games the past couple seasons have been so fun to watch. We have another one. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, the hot take, 20 fantasy points as a middle finger to the poor DraftKings employee who priced him and then listed him below Jeremy McNichols. On to week three, baby.